Good to be here and uh, sharing with you about Christmas. Again, it's that time of year where uh, we have to focus as a community on something very important. And uh, so what I'm going to talk today uh, is the most important part of Christmas, which is Jesus, right? And uh, it's good to see him here today. Uh, And I want to do something that seems like you guys have been doing really well so far, which is to think about who this baby Jesus is. And so I want to sort of try to encapsulate it all in one illustration today. And so we're going to draw a timeline on my uh, board up here. And uh, if that's the whole of history, the whole of the history of the world, then Christmas lands right about here. And there's baby Jesus, and we're familiar with the Christmas story. I'm glad you guys are so familiar with it. You've shared it with us so beautifully today. So let's think about who this Jesus is. Of course, he, he didn't stay a baby. He grew up, and, uh, and we, have, we have the Gospels Jesus, the Jesus who was God in the flesh among us. And the Bible says that the Gospel stories have been recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. And so the Bible records these miracles and these teachings of Jesus, right? And of course, then it comes to the cross where Jesus dies. And, and there it was behind the Christmas tree. The story of the cross, how he bore our sins on his body on the cross so that we could be put right with God. Very big sacrifice, as you'll see in a moment when you think about who this Jesus is. And we get a clue to who this Jesus is by risen Jesus. All right, So we know that on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. That's powerful, right? To overcome the power of sin and death and everything that we've done that's bad. He overcame all of that. He absorbed it off us and overcame it so that we could be right with God. And we can live too because he proved it because he rose from the dead. So that little circle there on the timeline represents the Jesus that we know about. Or does it? Because, of course, there's more to Jesus. In fact, he's not just on that timeline. He's all around it. He's there before it and after it forevermore. So remember, in Revelation chapter 1, there's, there's risen Jesus, talks to John and reveals himself. And uh, these are some of the words. Someone like a son of man, human looking. He was wearing a long robe and a gold sash around his chest and his head and his hair were white like wool. In fact, as white as snow and his eyes were like flames of fire and his feet were glowing bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of raging waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun when it shines with full force. And when I saw him, I fell down at his feet like a dead man. But he placed his hand on me and said, stop being afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I have the keys of death and hell. He's the boss. And when John saw him, he worshipped him, fell down like as if he was dead. Playing possum. Please, that's frightening. That's also Jesus. 
that we celebrate at Christmas. And remember, he's right there back in the beginning. This is creator Jesus. This is the same Jesus. In Colossians 1, it says the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. You want to see God? That's him. The firstborn over all creation. That means he's the the heir, the one who inherits everything over all creation. For by him, all things in heaven and on earth were created. Things visible and invisible things, whether they're kings, lords, rulers, powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself existed before anything else did. And he holds all things together. That's Jesus. In John chapter 1, it talks about, in the beginning was the word, meaning Jesus, and the word was God. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Wow. That's Jesus too. And in fact... That, that saying, the word of God, that Jesus was the word, just for you oldies, there's an Aramaic translation of the Old Testament. Aramaic was a language that Jesus would have spoke, and John, who wrote this, also would have spoke. And in that translation, it often talks about God and the memory of God as the same thing. And that word memory means word. And this is where John gets this from. And all through the Old Testament, there's this reference to the memory of God. And sometimes it's the same thing as God. And other times it's the agent of creation itself. And sometimes it's the agent of salvation. This memory that's right throughout the Old Testament is Jesus. Because he's the agent of salvation, the agent of revelation, revealing himself, revealing what God's like. That's what the word does, right? It reveals a concept. It reveals a thing, a reality. He's the agent of revelation, means by which God becomes visible. Wow. God becomes visible sometimes in the Old Testament. And the means by which he makes his covenants. Let's have a look at some of those occasions. This is Jesus showing up in Genesis chapter 18. Uh, to Abraham. And the Bible says, Yahweh said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? This is God in the flesh showing up in the Old Testament to Abraham. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. And then there's another occasion where Jacob fights with God in the flesh. And God renames him Israel because that word means You've wrestled with God in the flesh. And then there's another occasion where there's three people thrown into the fiery furnace, Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, are thrown into the fiery furnace, but then Nebuchadnezzar sees there's a fourth man in the furnace and he looks like a divine being. Well, he is. He's Jesus in the Old Testament. Even when um, some people say when Moses saw that burning bush and there was a flame and the presence of God was in that bush, it was the memory. It was, it was Jesus in the burning bush. Yahweh says to Moses. And whenever there's a sacrifice in the Old Testament, it's like a foreshadowing 
of the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus. So this is foreshadowed Jesus, you might say. So all those sacrifices. In fact, as was mentioned before, you can go through every book of the Bible and see a foreshadowing of Jesus. So in Genesis, he's the creator. He's the breath of life. He's the seed of the woman who's going to come. He's the promised redeemer. He's the covenant maker. He's the ark of Noah. He's the angel of God. He's Jacob's letter. That's just in Genesis, and that's not even all of them in Genesis. And you can go through every book and find it. And there's something that we do at Christmas time, a bit like when we're setting the Christmas tree. We do a thing called the Jesse tree. Has anyone heard of the Jesse tree? The name of the Jesse tree comes from a shoot that will come from the stump of Jesse, meaning a descendant of Jesse, who was King David's dad. right? And so out of that line will eventually come this shoot, this offspring, which is Jesus. And we go back and we make all these little items where Jesus is foreshadowed. And we hang them on the Christmas tree to remind us just who he is. Foreshadowed Jesus throughout all these things. And then we have prophesied Jesus. Now, this is only 100 of the prophecies concerning Jesus. But there they are, say, as a prophecy in Psalm 69. I think that's about maybe that he was going to rise from the dead or something. And then you can follow that line and see where it's fulfilled. And this is what happens again and again and again. Old Testament prophecies foretelling what's going to happen, and then they happen. That's just 100. There's about 300 about Jesus. Prophesied Jesus all the way through the Bible. So this is Jesus, right, going along in our timeline. Where is he today? Well, there's a a few answers to that because he's God and we shouldn't be surprised if he's all around time. He can be in a few places at once. Think about that, right? Some of us old people are going, how can we imagine that God can be everywhere at once because he's outside time? But you know what? It's not that hard for children to get. It's still got a young pliable mind you can get your mind around big things like this so one place he is is seated at the right hand of the father in heaven interceding for us praying for us if you ever wondered is anyone praying for me well you only have this jesus praying for you at all times seated at the right hand of the father you're not alone more than that He's also with us by his Holy Spirit. Not there, there, in us, by his Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'll send you a helper, or the other word is a comforter, another translation for the same word. And it's the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all truth. And then he says, I will come to you. Meaning... Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So at the same time, he's in us by his Holy Spirit and he's also seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. This is big. And every time you open your Bible, he somehow comes to us through that living word by his Holy Spirit to us in the Bible, which is Even more amazing. 
Let me uh, catch up with my own notes here. Uh, in Hebrews 4, it says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing until it divides the soul and the spirit, joints and the marrow, and judging the thoughts and purposes of the heart. That's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So Jesus is powerfully working through that word as well. So where is he today? Right now, the Father, in us by the Holy Spirit, in the Word as we read it, it's all going on, right? We're not ever alone in this time in which we live. All right, what's next? Well, you know, there's returning Jesus as well. So John had the revelation of this Jesus with the white hair and the sword and the eyes and everything. But then as we keep reading the revelation, it tells us that he's going to return one day On a white horse, let me read you that description. When I saw heaven standing open and there was a white horse, its rider named Faithful and True. So that's the rider of the horse. He's the faithful and true one. He brings justice and wages war righteously. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many royal crowns. And he has a name written on him that nobody knows except himself. And he's written, he's dressed in a robe, dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Where have we heard that before? A memra. The armies of heaven wearing fine linen, white and pure, follow him on white horses. A sharp sword comes out of his mouth to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron and tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you don't feel like worshipping yet, stick with me. Because then there's judge Jesus. For all of us, 2 Corinthians said, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what he deserves for what he has done in his body, whether good or worthless. So he's going to make judgment about us. We need to fear that in the sense of respect that. right? And this is also the Jesus that is born into Bethlehem. Judge Jesus. And then it doesn't end there. This is where it ends. Bridegroom Jesus. Actually, it doesn't end. This is the beginning of the eternity to come. Bridegroom Jesus. And so let me read you some Bible verses. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride and adorned for her husband. And one of the seven angels speaks to John and says, Come here, I will show you the wife, the lamb's bride. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. See how there's all these people here and they kind of all sort of coalesce into a bride. That's in Christ, that's our future. that we're going to be part of the bride city. 
with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And all this is who comes to us. For all things are from him and through him and for him. Glory belongs to him forever. Are you getting the picture of who Jesus is? Every time I do this, review this, I go weak at the knees somehow. It's too much for me. I don't mind saying it. This is a concept that is, way, is infinite and is way beyond my mind. And so it goes, I can only express it in my heart. This is who he is, who appears as a baby in Jerusalem. This is who he is. And I want to say it's not just this. The reason this is so important is because he is all that. May you have pleasant dreams tonight, thinking about all this. All right, so what's this jar about? And what is this that he's been doing? What is he up to coming to us? A little girl went to her bedroom and pulled out her glass jelly jar where it was in a hiding place in the closet and she poured out the change onto the floor and counted it carefully. Would you like to count that for me and tell me how much it is? Now, of course, hers was all ones and twos, but that would take too long to uh, count. She made a careful count, and the total had to be exactly perfect. No chance here for mistakes. And she placed the coins back in the jar and twisted the cap and slipped out the back door and made her way six blocks to the local pharmacy. Little girl going to the pharmacy on her own. You know what a pharmacy is, the chemist, right? She waited patiently for the pharmacy to give her some attention. How much is there? Yes, what is this? Somebody? A penny, thank you. So how much is that? So she comes to the one dollar and one penny. Remember that amount. So she comes to the pharmacy, waited patiently for the pharmacist to give her some attention. But he was too busy at this moment. He was talking to somebody. So she twisted her feet, making a scuffing noise, <coughs> cleared her throat with the most disgusting sound she could come up with, <coughs> still ignoring her, talking to this other man. Finally, she took a quarter from the jar and banged it on the counter. Well, that did it. And what do you want? The pharmacy asked in an annoyed tone of voice. Can't you see I'm talking with my brother from Chicago, whom I haven't seen in ages, he said without even waiting for a reply to her question. Well, I want to talk to you about my brother, Tess answered back. He's really, really sick and I want to buy a miracle. I uh, beg your pardon, said the pharmacist. His name is Andrew and he's something bad growing inside his head. And my daddy says only a miracle can save him now. So how much does a miracle cost? We don't sell miracles here, little girl. I'm sorry, but I can't help you, said the pharmacist. Listen, I have the money to pay for it. If it isn't enough, I'll get the rest. Just tell me how much it costs. The farmer's brother was a well-dressed man in a suit 
And he stooped down and asked the girl, what kind of miracle does your brother need? I don't know, said Tess with her eyes welling up. I just know he's sick and mummy said he needs an operation. But my daddy can't pay for it, so I want to use my money. How much do you have, said the man from Chicago. One dollar and a penny, said Tess. And it's all the money I have, but I can get more if I need to. Well, what a coincidence, smiled the man. A dollar and a penny, that's the exact price of a miracle, especially for little brothers. He took the money in one hand and with the other he grasped her mitten and said, Take me to where you live. I want to see where your brother I want to see your brother and meet your parents. Let's see if I have the miracle that you need. That well dressed man was a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon. The operation was completed, free of charge, and it wasn't long until Andrew was home again and doing well. Later, Mum and Dad were happily talking about this chain of events that had led them to this place. That surgery, her mum whispered. That was a real miracle. I wonder how much it would have cost. And Tess smiled. She knew exactly how much a miracle cost. One dollar and a penny. All she had but also a step of faith in the rich mercies of a saviour. Who is he in yonder stall? Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. And what's he doing? What's he doing coming to us at Christmas? We have a need, we have a sin problem, and we can't cure it. So what does he do? He reaches down and says, give me all you have. And when we take a step of faith and say, here, here's my bits, this is all I have. I'm not very good. I'm not rich. I only have a dollar and a penny. I'm just little. I don't have enough for the miracle I need. Who he is means that what he does is cure us on the cross. He cures us of our sin. But that's, well, that's not all. Because of who he is, We've been raised up with Christ already and seated with him in heavenly places already in the heavenly realm. This is what Ephesians 2 says. But God, who is rich in mercy, like that man from Chicago, because of his great love for us, even when we were dead because of our offenses, made us alive together with Christ. I'm already alive together with Christ. By grace I've been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages when it's all revealed, he might display the limitless riches of his grace that comes to us through his kindness in Christ Jesus. So when I'm in Christ, I'm in heaven with him, raised with him, seated in heaven already right now. And I know these eyes can't see that yet, but they will. And when we sing, right, 
our voices are joined with all the saints and all the angels in heaven already, now, because he's all around time. So the fact that we're not there yet doesn't matter to him. So there's us, the little blue circle there. There we are. But in Christ, right, when you step into him and say, yes, Jesus, please, operate. Take me. I'm yours. He takes you to where he is. Well, that's also blowing my mind. Some of these people on the right are thinking, oh, I'm in God's waiting room. I can't wait to get there. You're already there. Know this. In Christ, you're already there. You just can't see it yet. But you will. Isn't that good news? I looked at Ken then. I didn't mean to, but you know what I'm saying. If then you were raised together with Christ in his resurrection, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above. Think about this. Ruminate on this. Let it percolate into you. Know that you're above, not the things that are on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him. Where? In glory. That's who he is. That's what he does. Let's pray. Wow, Lord Jesus, just wow. That's who you are. That's who we're celebrating at Christmas. Even though we've talked about it, I still have no idea. There might be someone in the congregation, a young person, older, somewhere in the middle, who is just now starting to grasp who you are and just now starting to grasp what you do to save us, but also to give us, to raise us into the fullness of your life. The mercy and the gift, the grace. So if there's a person here who's saying, yes, I want to take that simple step of faith, that simple, I want to ask you for your rich mercies, then do it now in this quiet moment. Pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I have nothing. In some ways, I don't even see a dollar and a penny. I need your rich mercy. I need your operation to save me from my sin. And I would love to be raised up with you in glory. If you're asking Jesus for that now in prayer, let him answer you in the center of your soul. Because then, with the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you will know the confidence that is produced by God having called you the rich glory that is his inheritance among the saints and the unlimited greatness of his power for us who believe according to the work of his mighty strength, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms.